Eels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a De Beer. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Green and Gold Rugby Show for another week. Remembering we're the show that's getting you across the gain line on the hottest topics in Australian rugby. I'm Reg Roberts. Uh, I'll be your host again tonight, and joining me, as per usual, the, the A-team, as we call them. We've got Matt Rowley jumping back up to one, number one in the call sheet there. How are you, Matt? Oh, I'm good, mate. Good to be back on top of the log. It's taken a while to earn your stripes back. All it took was a trip to Brisbane, mate. Um, and Hugh Cavill joining us as well. How about you? It's a bit of a stitch up. I don't know. I was good, and then I've been found out I've been demoted on the call sheet. Well, I don't know. I was. Yeah. Well, we'll see how we go. I'll, I'll look, Reg. I'm not going to. I'm not going to pout. I'm going to use this as motivation. I'm going to. I'm going to impress you uh, tonight with a really good performance and and uh, demand a, uh, a return to my rightful position uh, in the roster. You are a lock, don't you? When you play, you're a lock forward. Look, uh, look, I play. I, I am t- generally that, but I'm, I think I'm far more than that in, in, in playmakers and mate, get around the field uh, a lot. But uh, yeah, just call me Michael Checker, mate. This is what I do. I rotate my locks, mate. Sometimes they're in Richie Arnold, <laughs> Rory Arnold. Sometimes you're in, sometimes you're out, mate. Just, but, just keeping it honest. Mate, but Reg, well, but you've got to, you've got to have yeah, that talk to him, right? You've got to tell him where, where, what can he do to get that spot back? You, you know, this is that's coaching 101, mate. You've got to have that difficult Matt, conversation. Hugh knows what he has to do. He, he knows what he has to do to get back in that top spot. It's a Big conversation point. between Hugh and I, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We had the week off last week, so plenty to chat about this week. Five burning questions, which we'll run through quickly before we get stuck into each and every one of them. So, uh, question one, does the win over Argentina a couple of weeks ago now give us any pointers on how we'll go against South Africa this week? Uh, question two, it's been mooted Luke and Tui could uh, end up at number six blindside flanker for the Wallabies. Is that a good thing uh, from the team and Lucan's perspective? And question three, World Cup decisions imminent 2023. It's down to Ireland, South Africa and France. Where do we think it'll be played? Maybe we'll have a look at the pros and cons of each. Uh, and question four, uh, is Australia support of Fiji Rugby, NRC and Super Rugby? There's some decisions there recently. Is that a good thing in light of uh, the force's decision to, to cut the force? And question five, the other big rumours happening in the off-season is about coaching. Nick Styles rumoured to be cut, Brad Thorne provided, uh, promoted. Is that the right decision? So we'll get into that as well. But let's start into it. Guys, we missed last week. The Aussies had a good win over the Pumas uh, a couple of weeks ago. Guys, let's cast your mind back, Mac, to that test. What was mm. your uh, what was your takeaway from that performance? Can you remember? And we'll get into what that means for this weekend a little bit later. Yeah, look, I've had to cast my mind back, and I usually struggle on the Sunday night uh, after the match, let alone uh, <laughs> a couple of weeks, a week or so later. Um, no, look, so, so I had a look at some highlights, and look, the... <laughs> There was a lot to be happy about in the highlights, right? So, um, you know, when you cut it all together, there was some pretty nice handling, uh, some pretty nice skills on display. You kind of wonder if some of those skills that Mick the Kick's been working on are slowly starting to, yeah. um, to you know, to kind of pop out, especially amongst, you know, the forwards. Um, definitely know their way around the paddock as far as where they fit in from an attack perspective. And, you know, the handling, I mean, my God. You know, we everyone was going crazy over what Bowden Barrett did with that kind of flick pass behind him uh, to whoever was it the winger who scored a try for the All Blacks. Um, Milner Scudder. Yeah, but um, then we saw big Rob Simmons <laughs> do exactly yeah, the same. No, thing. Brilliant. Um, so look, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of skill on display there. Um, I tell you, who absolutely blew me in the 73rd minute when we did the breakout, I think from our own 22. And the ball got to Sean McMahon, who was one in from the sideline, and he absolutely put on a burst of pace that you know would have made any back um, happy. Um, it, it was kind of like he went into suddenly into, into fast motion, found um, another gear of pace that I never had as a back row forward. You know, uh, you know, was, uh, seagulling out wide. He was unbelievable. And that's in the 73rd minute after he put in a mountain of tackles, runs. You know all the tight stuff as well. I mean, I, that that kid is absolutely and, unbelievable. 
and and you look at it at some stages in that half, he is absolutely shattered. He has run himself into the ground, has mm. to sort of drag himself off, at, you know, when it's set piece, a little bit of a break, drag himself back to his feet. So to put on that sort of impact is huge. Yeah, he was monumental, wasn't he? Yeah, but the thing you have to remind yourself, though, is, God, it was a struggle in the first half again. And yeah. I think we, we went in down, didn't we? Didn't we go down? I think we went in three points down. Um, you know, it was, it was by no means was it kind of like a, a, a walk in the park. It was definitely, as they say, a, a game of two halves. Um, we seem to come out in the second half and just really just turn it on uh, suddenly. So, you know, it's classic, you know, current Wallabies that, you know, at the, at the moment um, seems to be sort of um, up and down. But look, I thought there was a lot to take away and it was a pretty good scoreline by the end. Yeah, and the interesting thing from that, Hugh, and you'll have your own comments, but one of the takeaways, at least one of the things the coaching team pushed, and we will, we will never know, we were never in the change room, but was the way the players reacted themselves at halftime. That's something Czech talked about, is that by the time he got down there from the coach's box, the players were already sort of getting up themselves about what they needed to fix for that second half, because it was a pretty disappointing, really flat first half by the Aussies, and the, the, the change in... Uh, I, I guess intensity was was the most obvious. It it was, and it, it was a pretty good game, I thought. Um, Reg, and it, it was nice to see us chalk up a, a good win. I think it's probably or well, easily the best win we've had this season, and and could be yep. the best. Um, you know, that half was certainly the best half of footy we've put together. And and the thing about um looking at the at our rugby championship season so far is is when we attack, we we can score points quite easily. Um, and we've scored some really sexy tries, um, and especially in that Argentina game where each one of our tries was really nicely constructed and and um, you know involved all a lot of players and a lot of build up and a lot of um, pretty precise execution. So that was really good to see. I, I think the two guys that I I would call out as as really underrated in that performance and just haven't got all of the praise that they deserved as has been, on one hand, Scotty Seo, and the other one, more importantly, Sokopi Kepu, who, you know, I was actually having this thought the other day, Reg, and it, this discussion with my father, is is he the best prop that we've had this century, Sokopi Kepu? He, he might be getting there because that was one of the best front row performances I've seen from a Wallaby in a long time. And, you know, he held up the scrum, and in, in, in the end, the scrum was dominant over Argentina, who were no mugs in that area. He carried the ball well. He scored a really nice try. Look, he's in, the you know, really good form at the moment. And for a bloke who's not particularly uh, young, um, he looks like he's got another five years left in him. So let's hope he can keep it going. But, um, yeah, look, that, that that's uh, sort of my thoughts on the game uh, a week and a half on. But, uh, That's a big statement. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. So when you're saying best prop of the century, you're meaning this last 17 years? Yeah. Yes. Okay, good. I think, yeah, I think that's a, it's a pretty sound comment for that. There's obviously a few early on, you know, Benny Darwin might have had something to say if his career didn't end so tragically. But, you know, I think that's a pretty good call. It's interesting, Kepu. I saw someone else, I don't know, was it Paul Cully or some journo rape about his game? I was, I was disappointed, but I'd have to watch it again. I, I, I Clearly, I wasn't watching close enough, but I just, I'd recall a couple of mistakes early on, and maybe it was just that first half, but happy to, um, happy to, to, to play dumb on that one, um, you know, and, and just stay beside it, but I agree, Scotty Seal was much improved as well, so yeah, it, good intensity that second half, I, you know, too long ago for me, it, a big step up to going across to Bloemfontein though, isn't it, Matt, in terms oh. of... Um, what we turn around then, I guess. But if you can take something out of it, is that second half. You mentioned the skills, but maybe if it's also our fitness and intensity is coming on. Check has come out and said that they worked really hard, worked the players really hard in the June break, um, which is why perhaps some of those performances weren't the best and they looked a little flat and so on. And maybe that's coming to fruition. We scored a lot of points against the All Blacks. We, we you know, copped a lot of points as well. But, yeah, maybe that is a sign. And, and uh, I guess that fitness is going to be a particular thing uh, up in Bloemfontein. Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, the answer to your question, though, is, you know, um, you know which was, you know, does the win of Argentina give us any pointers on how we'll go with South Africa? Uh, not this Wallabies team, it doesn't. No, I no. mean, you know, you know the, the first half didn't give you in, in the same game didn't give you a key to the second half. Um, yeah. So you know, God, it's, it's it's impossible to know, isn't it? How they're going to turn up? Just casting our minds back to the you know that last South African um, match we had, they where they absolutely dominated us at, at the breakdown. 
Um, this this match seemed to be one of those ones where neither side, um, neither ourselves nor the Argentinians really seemed to try and dominate in that area. Um, it was very, very fast-paced. Um, the ball got cleared away very, very quickly. So really hard to know. Um, whereas the, you know, the Saffirs, as we know, um, really laid a, a trap on us last time. Um, I thought we got a little bit uh, manhandled in that game. And I don't know, there wasn't a lot in this match to tell us that that had been fixed. Um, set piece went all right, though. And the Argies are no slouches there. So, you know, maybe there's a bit of hope. To your point, we, we know that this that, you know, the checker game plan with these Wallabies completely depends on, seems to be a mixture of fitness and mental attitude. Um, and, you know, they, they definitely showed that in the second half. Um, you know, can, can they do that away from home at altitude? I, you'd probably bet against it, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we, again, we, we, we had hopes after that New Zealand performance, though we lost, we hoped they'd sort of used it as a, stepping stone and they didn't against South Africa and Perth there. Um, so let's not get ahead of ourselves uh, with a, a good half against Argentina, a team that we've haven't particularly struggled against, you know, the occasional loss, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's not, uh, it's not the turning point just yet. We need to back to back before we can start getting a little bit more uh, confident with things there. Hugh, how, how can you, how do you see this week playing out? Well, look, I, I don't know. I think it'll be a pretty close game. I mean, I think it might follow a pretty similar script to the, this corresponding game last year where, you know, it, it was pretty close for 60 minutes and South Africa pulled away, scored a late try, kicked a couple of late penalty goals and I think won by about 10, 10 points. But I, I think, Reg, my other contention looking at the games in the rugby championship so far, given the talk in the mid-year internationals all about fitness, fitness, fitness from Michael Checker, um, given our efforts in the second half and back ends of these games, is, is it the case that that's a problem that we might have solved, which lends, you know, which, which lends itself well to playing on the high belt? Um, yeah. I, I don't know, but it certainly is that we seem to be coming good in the back end of matches, um, a lot better than we were in, in, in during the middle of the year. So look, that's something, that's something to take away. I'm not sure if, if, if that means anything, but, Look, this South African team, I don't know, I've been wavering on them, Rich, because I, I, as one that I'm not particularly happy to dob myself in, but I think I said after the 22-all draw that we had with them that the, the South African team was actually pretty decent and the game against the All Blacks would bear that out. Well, um, <laughs> I don't know if we, uh, I can still remember that <laughs> the game against the All Blacks and uh, it certainly did not bear that out. So I, I don't know what to think about them. I think I'm happy to chalk that up to one off a one-off bad game. But um, if, if that is the case that, um, that they're still missing key players and they're a bit, um, they feel like they're, um, you know, they've had the wind taken out of their sails by the All Blacks, then they could be right for the picking. But on the other on the other hand, it could be that they'll come out fired up and motivated and, and willing to right the wrongs uh, of that All Blacks game. So, I don't know, it could go both ways. I mean, look, just, just, just looking at uh, this rugby championship so far and... And then, and actually kind of rolling in a little bit of the, uh, um, I guess the Lions test there, you know, cause you just in terms of trying to get a feel for how different teams are doing. And I guess you use their, like probably the All Blacks, right? As the benchmark. Um, they tend to be pretty consistent, um, consistently hard to, just to, to score against and, and to keep out. But I mean, look, you know, as much as we love giving the Wallabies a hard time, I mean, they really did figure out how to put some points on the All Blacks. Um, you know, and then we've and we've just gone and done that against uh, Argentina. There, we had that horrific blip against um, South Africa when really we should have done so much better there than, than we did. But you know, taking out, trying to take out some of that inconsistency, which is impossible with this team. But otherwise, I mean, you know, you've got you know that amazing second half against New Zealand in, in Sydney. Um, that amazing game down, you know, on the South Island when you know we just got pipped and then this uh you know argentina argentina game i mean there's a lot in there where you go geez i mean you know Falau was scored four doubles in four matches now um uh, which is which is which is pretty amazing i mean if there's you know if there's anything that's going well it's like you know the, the attack really does work really really well i think we talked about some of those tries the guys scored against the the all blacks you know really marching the whole length of the field the forward pods are working really really well this the skills when they get going i think you know beal being back there's made a massive difference 
um, you know, there's a lot that's really starting to click there. Uh, but um, obviously, it's you know, it's it's keeping the tries out. But there aren't many teams, and this is why I kind of put the Lions into it. There aren't many teams in world rugby that can kind of put these sorts of points on teams like the All Blacks at the moment. But we seem to be able to. Yeah, I think you're right. I think what was it? Um, five tries and one test, and four and the other the other way around. That's that's a rare feat uh, for any team. The, the Lions couldn't do it against the All Blacks. So yeah, there, there is some positives to take there. And obviously, we looked good against Argentina. Interesting. You have to go back. To, I mean, that famous test was it 2010? The last um, we'd played, we won in Blompentine. Is that right? That was the Curtly Beal kick after the siren? Yeah, Curtly Beal, yeah, penalty. And and that was was that the same game that started ridiculously? It was just try to try. Yeah. Well, that was was two games we played in in South Africa. That was back in the days of the Tri-Nations where you'd play three games against um, each opponent, either two home, one away, or vice versa. Um, And we... The week before we played the box and and we uh, we got right, out yep. to a twenty four nil lead and got run down. But this That's one right. was from memory. This one was um was a similar game in the sense that it was high scoring, but um in the end it was it was much more even. And actually we had a beautiful try scored late from Drew Mitchell uh, from a Berwick Barnes inside pass that um that got us in position to 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 take the win in the end but um yeah right yeah that that was that was the uh the peak of Robbie Dean's optimism where James O'Connor and Drew Mitchell and Quaid and Kirtley were all um yeah firing as one yeah he shut up shop after that as we headed into the world cup remember that just absolutely yeah, yeah. dropped it yeah yeah um so i had one more thing guys just so i was remembering yep. so you know, we were talking about the breakdown and how the Saf has really competed with us, and I was just watching the highlights earlier. And how long has it been since you've seen somebody pinged at the breakdown for not supporting their own weight? That seems to have just suddenly vaporized. It was, you know, every other breakdown, the defender got penalized, I don't know, like last season, the season before. Um, you know, if you, if you scraped your hands along the ground as you went to get the ball, um, if you just look suspiciously too hunched over, I mean, the number of times Pocock could get done for it, right? And then, the, and then it was even down to the finite of you looked like you were leaning on the player with your knees sort of thing a little bit too yeah. much, you know? Um, there are, that's just seemed to be, that's just seems to be absolutely gone. And the number of, uh, you know, defenders now who are getting, you know, not releasing penalties that they're picking up um, for them, you know, um, against the attacking team. Um, it just seems to be increasing to me. Is it? Is it just me? Have you, have you guys noticed this as well? But I, I'm fine, I find myself shouting at the TV. Mate, I haven't picked it up, mate. But I, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't mean it's not happening. Yeah. There's plenty of stuff happening in a rugby game that I, I don't pick up. So I've, so I've seen the rugby Kepi's form. <laughs> hey, that's the super prop you're talking about, AB. Show some respect. Um, the, um, I, I agree with you, Matt. I think that, that it's certainly been a less of a focus. The other one I, that gets me is the in from the side rule, where, again, a few years ago, you used to be pinged five or six times a game for that. Now, players fly in from the side of every ruck, it seems. And, you know, unless you really take the piss with it, um, mm. you, 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 you get away with it. It's, it, rugby's so strange like that sometimes. Do you remember that, that, the few years where we got obsessed with not straight in the scrum, having the <laughs> yeah. scrum feet straight? Now, where's that gone? You know, we're back into well, feeding into the second row like we used to. Well, it's, but it's the way that it changes from one, it's one season it's black, the next season it's white. It's not even like it kind of drifts. You know what I mean? It's not like, I mean, you know, I get that there's so many things going on in the field that, you know, uh, whatever, but it's just the way that they manage to, you know, uh, just shift interpretations around. It's 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 quite bizarre. Um, maybe we don't look at it the right way. Maybe we look at it as too, um, I don't know, uh, you know, kind of too altruistic that the laws stand and therefore they should be ref that way. And maybe the way that world rugby or the refs look at it is, no, 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 it's kind of more like it's kind of like a graphic equaliser and you kind of, pull a few things up and a few things down to kind of yeah, yeah. keep the game going, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's a but, but, but that's, a, that's a segue into the back row there. Yeah, well, it's it's worth having a look. We've talked about the team, so let's have a look at some of the individual um, implications on this game. And, and one of the most talked about, well, some of the, it was actually, a, I forget who it was, might have been 
one of the Brumby supporters who mentioned um, he thought Luke and Tui, Luke and Tui, the big lock from the Reds, might be a worthwhile shot and then on the blind side flank, and I sort of wrote it off, and eh, I can't see him. I have my reasons, and we won't get into that. But all of a sudden, it it sort of seems to be building momentum within the Wallaby camp that he's a legitimate six option. Hugh, the lock on our podcast. Um, tell us, mate, what, what do you think of uh, the purported Chewy selection at number six? Well, look, it's it's not the the, the worst idea in the world, Reg, and. and I think the reason why Ned Hannigan's got such a run and the, the, the facet of his play that's the most important is the line-out. Because when you're picking Michael Hooper and Sean McMahon as your other two back rowers, you really do need that line-out option as a six. So, I mean, that brings a Luca and Tui right in, into calculation. And the idea of having a, a six that's more of a lock than a, than a number eight, you know, um, is is something that becomes appealing. And I know Rob Simmons has played a bit of yep. six in the past. I remember Ewan McKenzie picked him a few times there, and it wasn't too bad, actually. We've got, um, you know, obviously Jack Dempsey uh, is, is there as well, and um, there is a, another option um, that I um, have just blanked on. But right. there's, there's a, a few players floating around. Adam Korchik was the one, but he's been left at home. Um, yeah. For the for for the uh, for the tour, but look, I, I think Luke. I'd, I'd be interested to see how Luke Antui Tui goes, and I think I'd be interested to see how Jack Dempsey goes. Both are worth a tr- shot. And look, Ned Hannigan. There's been plenty of um, oxygen uh, wasted on Ned Hannigan on our forums. I mean, look, he, he's. I, I don't think he's he's um, the horrible sort of waste of space that some people make him out to be. I think he's he, he's been worth a shot, and he's gained some good experience, and certainly is a good player for the future. I think it's time to give someone else a go, though, um, and and look at you know a Luke Antui who might not have the mobility of of a classic six like a Scott Fardy um, or or a Kieran Reid um, or a Jerome Kano, um, but um, certainly having that having that impact physically and having that lineout ability really I think balances pretty well with what Hooper and McMahon have got, which is just um, that 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 uh, mobility around the field and that speed and that um, impact uh, in a loose play. So, look, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's necessarily a good option, Reg, but it's certainly worth a try. Yeah, so I'm, I'm intrigued by it. So, too, he's had a great season for the Reds and uh, has been an excellent NRC. And a standout is his line-bending runs. He's a he's a powerful unit who builds momentum and, and, and can make a break, but also just bends the line. So, he's that hard-running for. I think we've probably looked for for a little while um, uh, and, and sort of struggled to find... He, his work rate's really impressive too. And when I say work rate, I mean with the ball in hand. Some of, one of the standouts for the NRC is his willingness to 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 get the ball into his hand and take multiple ruck hit up for one better word, um, and, and generally very effective. He, he, you know, he can sometimes go a bit high, but he generally works his way back in the game and going low. My concern is his work at the ruck, uh, and, and it's actually John Stones, one of our contributors on the on the blog, sort of uh, I wrote an article in a. I see Tim in the week when, when Luke Arn got selected a couple of weeks ago and, and John had, had just had a weekend of the coaching camp and they did some analysis of that game and he actually pulled out the fact that while Chewy had a huge number of carries for that game and really effective, he only hit eight rucks all game. Um, now that's NRC, it's a little bit different. Um, you compare that with his locking partner, Kane Douglas, who hit 32. So it's a combination there. So that's a, a, you know, a concern for me, but then I guess you ask the question, what's the game plan the Wallabies are going to play? You know, are they going to hit rucks? Or are they just going to build that defensive? And so uh, I'm against it. And, and you say it's worked in the past. Garrett Morgan's played there in the past and things like that. I'm, I'm really wary. But part of me is quite intrigued about it. The impact could it, he could have at test level is anything. My other concern is a young guy hasn't been playing the game for that long. In fact, I think it's only three or four years, probably four years. Um, let's just let him develop as a lock. <laughs> you know, does does chuck him in the blind side in a test match, setting him up to fail almost. Um, really the right thing for a young player, I don't know. Matt, what do you, what do you feel about well, it, So he's over there in Bloomfontein, isn't he? With the, he's, yeah, he's yeah, he's the there. Squad. Yep. Wow. Yep. I mean, I, I thought it was quite interesting. I think Tom Decent wrote an article during the week looking at the different selection conundrums, and then one of them was this one, and I think his inside story was basically Hannigan's a – he's a checker favourite. 
and uh, he's going to be there. And, and actually, Dot Decent was picking Hannigan to go play 14 matches, test matches this year. Um, right, right. So, uh, so I don't know. That's that, I guess that's the the word from the camp. I guess you know, Tui's probably there as cover. But look, you know, for all all the Hannigan haters out there, of which there's plenty. I mean, you know, there's a little bit of ammunition again in the stats. Uh, from that um, Argentina game, it's not like he's completely missing. But you know, if you, for example, if you have a look at tackles, um, you know, McMahon made 19, Hooper made 18, Hannigan made 10. Um, but then you know, Adam Coleman managed to make 14 um, himself, and actually Kepu made 10, and as did Co. Um, and then you know, and that's in defence, and then in attack, um, you look at sort of the you know the run meters. Um, you know, McMahon complete. Beast mode, um, 84 from 17 runs. Hooper, 36 from 11. And then Hannigan, 8 from 5. Um, and, you know, again, you know, like uh, Kepu made 23 from 8. Um, so, you know, you'd have to say at the moment he's kind of, you know, he's not he's, he's not hitting that work rate. And if you're saying that, um, you know, potentially, you know, Tui could be someone who could maybe add a bit there, especially from a defensive perspective, probably, you know, uh, probably wouldn't hurt, but I don't know. It just it feels like it, it's definitely that position's a work in progress, isn't it? I yeah, think you're dead, yeah. I think you're dead right, Hugh. Though that you, you, they've got to have somebody who can jump in the line out there, and I I think that's why Mum survived for so many years is, um, from the, for the same reason why we've had these midget back rows. Is Tamani on tour? Is he, was he the name you're thinking of? Because that's that's I mean he's something that has all the potential, but has never really produced. Oh, probably rarely produced in Super Rugby level from my perspective as well. Can you I don't get him in on tour, Rich. Yeah. You don't think he is? Oh, uh, his his NRC form has been been um, fairly patchy. I'd, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Anyway, but can you get him in the well, air? What about us? A jumping option, is he? Option. No, he's not, mate. No, I mean, he's, he, he's, he's you chuck you chuck him up at two only because you've got Coleman and Arnold down the back drawing all the you know, big defence down there. That's the only way he'd sort of win line-up ball, um, quick ball at two. Um, the guy I was thinking of, sorry, was Isaac Rodder. He was the one I was oh, thinking yeah. about. Okay. So yep. to, but, but Tamani is on on on, uh, on tour as well. So okay. yep. a, a few options there. But, you know, the guy who I think is versatile enough to play six as well, Sakopi Kepu. I mean, he's a fun <laughs> <top average. laughs> You've got a burst of pace there, Hugh, definitely. <laughs> uh, probably the best, potentially the best number six we've had this century. Um, <laughs> He's got that, yeah, mobility, certainly. Um, any other positional changes, do you think? Uh, everything else seems pretty rock solid, uh, thinking through. Um, I don't know, Stephen Moore will still be on the out, suggest it with Tatafi starting? We're remarkably stable at the moment, Reg, aren't we? I mean, yeah, you've got are. to think that using the Ben Darwin coefficient that we'd have to be yeah. seeing some improved results because we're seeing that that back line looks pretty set, pretty set. Um, the forward pack, you know, a bar the merry-go-round of locks that we see um, every week, um, you know, we're, we're more or less um, in, in a pretty steady pattern. So, look, I can't see too many changes. I mean, and look, we've been lucky with injuries, which is always a, a factor, but um, good to see us getting some uh, some consistent similar sides out on the park. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 well, I just, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to see more on the on the pitch. I, I reckon you were lazy's, you know, grabbed his opportunity with both hands. Yep. Uh, yep. The, the, the young guy. And by the way, I've got the squad in front of me because there's probably people shouting at their car radios at the moment, um, wondering how the bloody hell a bunch of guys come onto a rugby podcast and not know who's on the squad. Um, so I, I can just do a quick run through if you want. Alatoa, Arnold, Coleman, Dempsey, Faulkner. Faulkner? What the hell? Um, Hannigan. Yeah, Hannigan, Hooper, Kepu. It's been a while since I read one of these. Uh, Kepu, McMahon, Moore, Pilotta now, Robertson, Rodder is there. Rob Simmons, Scott Seo, Tamani is there. Luke and Tui, um, as we've been talking about, and you are lazy in, in the forwards. And in the backs, Beal, Falau, Foley, Genia, Hodge. Karevi, Karabietti, uh, Karadrani, Meeks, Perezi, Phipps, Powell, Rona, and Spate. It's um, interesting they're still taking Meeks and Perezi on these sorts of things. They're yeah. Uncapped guys who haven't been named in any squad yet, but uh, I guess you, you do need that backup. It's a fair way away. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, 
what do you reckon? I mean, yeah, I don't know if I'd be going with more, and I guess then it's a, it's another crapshoot for second row to see who he comes up with. Well, Ulysses took a pilfer um, in his first minute against Argentina, and and you know I don't think Stephen Moore's done that for about three or four years. <laughs> so um, you know I, I think that that shows you everything you need right there. Yeah, look, I mean. Early days with him, but he, for someone who has played bugger all, you know, elite rugby, uh, only mm. minutes of super rugby off the bench, okay. he looks remarkably composed and, you know, not out of place out there. I'm super impressed with the guy. Yeah, I completely agree with you. You can get a, you know, super, couple of super, uh, uh seasons under his, his belt could be completely different as well. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, we won't bother going into tips and all that sort of stuff because we haven't seen either team. It's all a bit uh, whatever. But uh, anything else we want to wrap on this test? I think you know we'll wait and see and keep an eye on the on the website for all the news. Yeah, I mean, all I can say though is if the guys if if they, if they lose, I mean, it's a pretty rotten old rugby championship on the old stats, isn't it? I mean, one win. Oh, mate. Yeah, I mean, it's a big call, isn't it? I mean, we haven't haven't won in South Africa since 2011, so if we're relying on this victory to, to give us a pass mark in the rugby championship, I think we're, we'll mark us down for a, a D- minus already or something because it'll be a big ask. Oh, really? I mean, what? So if 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 we win this... I think if we win this game, it means something, Reg. Uh, we're oh, in I do, but I'm we- saying... It's, I think it's a huge achievement if we win this. Well, that's what I'm saying. Matt's saying, oh, you know, we, if we if we don't win this, it's a it's a dire Super Rugby. I think we're up against it to win this, meaning that if we do win, yeah. it's super special. We're just in such a holding pattern with the Rugby Championship. This was the same every year that we, we yeah. go and we, we lose the All Blacks. We go over there again. South Africa come here and we, you know, we're still... We, we sort of a bit banged up after the All Black game, so we eke out a, a, either a narrow win or a narrow loss. Um, we we beat Argentina at home, and then that's you know then that's it for the you know we go yeah. over. So it doesn't feel like we sort of go through the motions a bit now. I don't know. It's um and and then we're off to overseas. And where we where we lose one match short of a Grand Slam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Every yeah, time where we. Where we win our first two, we, we, we look great again, but no one's really watching. And then we, you know, inevitably slip up once or twice and come home with a, you know, a B plus kind of effort and then forget all about it this time next year when we lose to some <laughs> shitty thing in year. Yeah. yeah, it's like none, it's like no competition that we're in works for us. Um, you know, in, in, in any ways, <laughs> you know, super rugby absolutely shafting us. Um, yeah, rugby championship. You know, letters like you name it. I mean, it doesn't help when you're playing awfully, but there you go. Well, and then not to not to um, not to um, get too far ahead of ourselves. A question four looks like a, a non-Australian team is even going to win the NRC. <laughs> <laughs> we can't even win our own championship. Who's bright idea getting those guys in? Bloody hell. That's the thing we haven't told. We'll get to there, but it is the National Rugby Championship. We'll have to take the trophy off them if they win. Um, Question three, guys. Uh, Rugby World Cup is two years away in Tokyo. I think ticket sales are imminent for those guys looking. Um, But uh, 2023 World Cup is set to be awarded. I think all bidding countries had to have their proposals into the World Rugby uh, last Thursday, and there's an announcement in November. So the three final... Uh, uh, nations bidding are Ireland, South Africa, and France. So let's have a look at it, guys. What? Uh, tell us which World Cups have you been to, Matt? Have you been to multiple? You, you're over yeah. in the UK, so you over there for that? What, what, what have yeah. you seen? Well, yeah, I was there '91, and uh, yeah, I went to '91 and '99, wasn't it? Um, yep. And then, and then, obviously, 2011 uh, popped over to New Zealand. New Zealand, of course, yeah. Uh, right. New Zealand. Hugh, have you seen any outside of Australia? Yeah, I was on the New Zealand one as well. So, oh, well, you too. Uh, okay, it's, right. It's, uh, you, you obviously missed that gravy train there, Reg. But, um... I did, mate. I did. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, and what, what about yourself, Reg? Mate, oh, just the Aussie ones. Just not, 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 not uh, 87, sorry, and 2003. Um, but yeah, great memory. So, what, what do we feel? Ireland, South Africa, France. Well, let's look at it for a let's look at it from a rugby perspective first. Where do you think um, you know it'll be best for the game 
uh, from a rugby perspective that this one should go to uh, Hugh, Ireland, South Africa, France. Well, look, the one I'll rule out is France. I mean, they've had it. They had it in 2007, and that was a pretty horrible World Cup anyway. So we can rule them yep. out. Um, it's for me. It's between Ireland and South Africa. Um, Ireland, having never hosted it before, um, have a certain certainly have a claim there, and you can't deny the passion uh, for the game in Ireland. But the same can be said for South Africa. Um, they've obviously had it in 1995. Um, but have a, you know a variety of, of really good venues that, that that it could be played in. Um, certainly, the altitude would be a factor. And 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 in terms of an Australian experience, well, maybe we're more we you know we do play more in South Africa um, than Ireland, so maybe that's something that would be more suitable to us. Look, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I'll, I'll probably side um, side with South Africa because I think it's good to see the um, the uh, event be be held in the southern hemisphere. Um, every so often, and, and that'll mean that we've had two in the north, and then um, since 2011, and then we'll go back to the south. I think that makes the most sense. And South Africa certainly um, make a huge contribution to the game. So I, I don't think I'd really um, mind if it was uh, given to either Ireland or South Africa. But I suppose from from reasoning it through like that, it probably it makes more sense to have South Africa in 2023, and I'll have the one after that. And then Australia, the one after that. But Matt, what's your feel? Well, that's just that's just Hugh once again disrespecting Irish rugby. I mean, yes. <laughs> that's right. The man has form for it, um, as I think all readers and, and of Green. Well, the thing about know. the thing about it being played in Ireland is it'll be nice to see the Irish the Irish people for the first time will get a chance to watch a World Cup semi final. Um, <laughs> they Normally they're well tuned out by that point. They're on other things. <laughs> well, look, and Irish rugby is pretty damn strong at the moment. Uh, you, you got to say. I mean, obviously be- beating the All Blacks just last year. Um, look, uh, I I agree with Hugh's sentiment as far as uh, I'd probably prefer to see it go to the Southern Hemisphere. I think if if, if it's played in Ireland, it, it, um, uh, other than the message that we just saw from our um, Nick, our producer Nick. Um, which which is talking about Ireland potentially taking a few games to the US, which would be really interesting. Um, otherwise, it feels a little bit like, you know, whether it's Wales or England or whatever, you know, they always share the, the games around. And it, to me, it kind of just feels like yet another kind of, I don't know, British slash and Irish um, sort of World Cup, which we basically had last time around. Um, so from that perspective, I think, you know, South Africa would shake it up a bit. Although, like I say, I'm kind of talking myself in circles because, you know, imagine seeing a couple of games in the um, in the US, that would be pretty mind-blowing. Um, but having said all that, I mean, I think what Ireland have going for it is that basically they'll, it'll be able to shit gold. I mean, they'll just, just whatever they made, was it the Poms made... Was it like 500 million out of the last one? Um, and I think the Irish would do the same. Um, I think they've also got a, a new stadium there, which they'll fill time after time after time. Um, they'll fill every stadium that they, they put it in, uh, and they'll even do that in the US. So I would have thought they'll have, they'd better have a pretty strong financial bid from that perspective. I um, I hate the US idea, to be honest. I, I, I don't get that at all. I think... This is all sold on the back of Ireland for the first time, hosting it on their own. I, it, it stinks of a boat grab to me trying to get um, support from elsewhere. Maybe they're, you know, they're doing the old, um, uh, you know, they've done the count. They need a few votes from somewhere because I, I think that stinks. I thought the whole premise for Ireland's positioning was we're going to do it all ourselves. Interesting, the financials on this side. So the successful country has to pay world rugby hosting fee of 150 million bucks, which is incredible. France have said that they'd be able to provide 350 million in revenue for world rugby, um, which is just mind blowing numbers. Um, it's almost Twiggy Forest type stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's interesting. If Ireland was all in one, I'd support it. Um, but I do like the idea of going back to South Africa for the first time in the professional era. Um, that 95 World Cup was iconic for many reasons. Um, you know, from, you know, the box back in world sport for the first time in a long time. Um, Nelson Mandela's involvement. And Jonah Lomu's involvement, and then obviously that epic final was pretty amazing. I, I think that'd be a pretty spectacular occasion to to um, to to take it back there uh, in two twenty three. Um, I don't know. I, it's, it's an interesting one. I, I agree, no France, but uh, yeah, I'd probably lean the way of South Africa. 
I'm surprised you're so irate by the, um, you know, the, the American sharing thing. I mean, like everybody does it, right? Everyone, you know, everyone has a partner, which, you know, we do it with, uh, with New Zealand, obviously every time. Um, you know, especially if we, <laughs> so we did it in 2003. Yeah. As we try and nick it off them. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, look, I, you know, oh, I understand. It'd be a couple yeah, of years. Yeah, I understand the reasoning behind it, and that there is a there is what a growing push over there in the UK generally to include the US in some of their sporting you know programs. I think there's a league team placed out of Canada at least playing in the league competition, and they're taking more and more Premier Rugby games there. Um, I don't know. I just I remember all the bids came out for Ireland, and it was all about we're doing this ourselves. We're not sharing with Wales or Scotland or England. This is about ourselves. And now they're throwing a couple of games to the US, which you know I guess in the growing the game I, I kind of get. But you know I'd love to see USA and and Canada get their own bid going. Um, I don't whether it's sustainable. I don't know. But yeah, look, I, I understand both sides. But it just it irks me a little bit considering um, the initial push. And it just it just stinks a bit of, of vote-catching sort of um, Frank Underwood-type stuff. Well, yeah, I like that show, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right, so that will be announced in November um, by all reports. So we'll, we'll know um, before the end of the year in a, in a couple of months. Um, so talk about footy tournaments, international footy tournaments. Question four is about Australia's support of Fiji rugby. Good thing. So there's been a lot happening in Fiji of late from Australia's perspective. We've had the Brumbies sending a team, you know, Tavita Kurandrani and Henry Spate um, over there. We've had uh, the classic Wallabies over there. Stephen Hoyles' group have been over there, all doing um, community you know, programs in the, in the villages and stuff, which has been awesome. Um, the classic Wallabies played a classic Fiji team last weekend. Obviously, the NRC uh, is the big one. So the Fiji Drua are now part of the the NRC with a, a lot of financial support from World Rugby, and they are killing it. They're playing fantastic rugby. They lost their first game to Brisbane City, but have been undefeated since and have been killing it since they actually put uh, big figures up against um, uh, Perth Spirit, who won the... Um, yeah won the event last year. It was a second-string Perth spirit. They tend to, to travel with their second stringers this year. Um, but uh, as Nick points out, 10,000-plus crowd, that one, so easily the best uh, NRC crowd that ha- has happened, I think the biggest since the 2014 grand final in Brisbane. So, so that's an interesting one. You know, is that good for the game in Australia that we're including Fiji Drew in there? But let's have a look at that secondary question as well. And, and this was sort of announced during the, the broadcast and this of that game against Perth Spirit, but there's still a few details yet to come out, but it's, it's sort of dripping out. The talk is that, um, that from next year, uh, Australian Super Rugby teams will be able to have a Fiji Druid player or a Fiji eligible player playing in their Super Rugby, including the Super Rugby roster, outside the salary cap. So we've had that previously with the Japanese players. Is that a good thing for Australian Rugby? Complete, considering we've just cut, you know, a Super Rugby team and there's 30 unemployed players out there. Um, you know, should we should we be looking after our own backyard or or is that the right thing for us as uh, as, as good neighbours to do? Um, Matt, what's your feeling on the whole Fiji uh, relationship sort of thing? Well, I mean, clearly with now that they've bloody, you know, taken over the the NRC, we need to stop this, we need to turn back the boat, <laughs> um, build a wall, uh, all those sorts of things. Um, but look, just, just, just exploring that whole idea there, Reg, you're talking about the salary cap and stuff. So look, yep. that whole idea there is what, so um, we try and make it possible so that we can get more Fijians in our teams which I guess on the face of it is trying to say what we're helping to develop those players and give them more experience yes. or something. Um, yeah, and, but, and remembering some of those will have played already for Fiji. So some of these right. Drew players are already test-capped test capped and sevens-capped, meaning they're ineligible for the Wallabies, meaning you know it, it's not a poach. It's a purely a development program. Oh, right, okay, from that perspective. Well, look, yeah, I, well, I don't know. It opens up a few things, doesn't it? Like... Um, I mean, you know, especially now we're down to four teams, um, and then suddenly not going to be any spots for wingers anymore. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, as you know, as the sort of the World Cup proved, as you know, was it f- about five different nations had Fiji yeah. and wingers. Yeah. Um, oh, look, uh, w- what I do think is great is, I mean, it's awesome to see a Fijian, I mean, you know, regional team uh, playing such fantastic rugby with 
players that you know aren't sort of um, the, the stock That's standards, but yeah. you see, you yeah. know, that you see at international and sevens level. So, and I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the quality of the rugby they play. I mean, it's a bit. I've got. To, I've got to say, I think we kind of swapped some messages about this. Um, it's a, it's a, it is a bit disheartening again. Like you know, having just watched a whole season of Super Rugby where it's literally men and boys every time an Australian rugby team plays a Kiwi rugby team. Now it's basically Drua going around playing all of our rugby teams and there's, there's, there's two different sort of sports going on. There's the paint-by-numbers sort of structured, you know, we'll do a dual playmaker thing, we'll go through X phases and we'll, you know, crunch our way up the field, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and then just spill the ball in the Drua 22 and then, you know, three or four hoop passes later and, you know, fantastic running lines and, you know, you know, muscly second rowers running at a million miles an hour and they're down the other end scoring a try. Um, yeah, you, it's, it's exactly, absolutely that was so evident in that last game. Yeah, exactly. So evident in that last game, spirit were one-dimensional and, and they did not play well and they did not have, you know, the, the Meekses and the Ronas and all those sorts of guys playing, but there was still some quality guys there. But Fiji, they just play great rugby and it was that sort of stuff. Their support lines um, and their offloading is exceptional as well as their skill and speed. So, yeah, it, you're right. You know, you've got to try and um, neutralise yourself and just enjoy it as a rugby fan because if you're watching it as an Australian rugby fan, it's you, you start the sort of the shoulder twitching going and you're having sort of post-traumatic stress um, symptoms again because it's uh, it's more of the same, unfortunately. Well, you'd, um, you'd love it. I mean, the thing I'd love is if, you know, we felt that we, we could kind of, um, you know, pick up some of the skills that they, that skill set that they show, right, which is that the they just they love being ball in hand and they i think it's because you know especially at a you know younger age they play a lot of like you know one touch rugby yeah. where you know it, it's just you've got to you know you've got to be able to score off you know sort of every play sort of thing um and whereas you know ours is oh, so opposite it feels like and it'd be great if we felt we we're going to we we're going to be able to infect some of that um you know ruthlessness with ball in hand but i suspect we'd just end up you know having another to kelly Nyaravoro um stuck <laughs> on you know w- you know waiting to finish off you know the yeah, exactly. phase sort of thing so, so maybe we should be going the other way maybe we should be selecting a couple of players and sending them over to play a year in fiji learn their skills over there <laughs> exactly tongue and cheek hugh what about you i mean i guess one of our concerns with international players, and we saw it this year, Matt, I remember talking about it one game this year where we had five teams playing, and I think four of them had fly halves playing that weren't eligible for the Wallabies. We had the, the Kiwis at the, the Brumbies and the, the Rebels. I think we had uh, maybe Peter Grant starting for the force, and I don't know, uh, maybe maybe the Reds, and the, maybe we had Cooper and Foley down here, but it was... It's pretty inhibiting. This is where the AAU, if they are going to do it, they've got to work closer with the teams and make sure that we're not picking for number eights or, you know, hookers or all that sort of stuff. We need to, if we're going to do it, spread the spread the depth around. Oh, that's that's fair enough, Reg. Uh, and I think um, with this, in this instance, I don't know if that's particularly possible. In the, I don't know if Fiji Drew have that much depth in depth, specific yeah. positions that... We could afford to have four halfbacks or whatever it is. Uh, look, I, I think this is a good thing. I mean, anything that makes our Super Rugby team stronger and more likely to win matches, I'm um, something I'm in favour of. And I appreciate the argument that, yes, we've just had now 15 to 30 force players that are unemployed and on the market. But, look, I, I think um, if these guys are outside the salary cap, it's something that's good for world rugby. And, and uh, you know, as much as I like seeing guys like Issy Nasarani and, and, um, you know, um, Tekeli Nayar of Boro and Marika Korobiti, you know, pulling on the gold jersey or, or you know, in Nicerani's case, probably about to a, a year away from now. You know, a part of me feels a bit uneasy. You know, we're, we have taken the islands um, or so much talent from the Pacific Islands. I think it's about time we started to give back. And the Drew's involvement in the NRC is, is a fantastic um, first step. And I think this is this is another good one to see. Um, us helping to develop Fiji and talent and, and hope to see that the Fiji and 15 side can start to build because um, it's, look, watching their games is a real pleasure. Apart from Matt's frustrations, which I totally understand that, that the Australian teams are being uh, looking so second rate again. But, God, it's it's just, they just 
so pleasurable to watch and and with with a massive crowd uh 10,000 plus they're watching them you can just feel a passion for it so it you know it's hard to be too disappointed when when they're playing and they're beating your team so look i, I i'm i'm in favor of it reg but um but yeah it's it'll let's see how it goes i i hope it's not just wingers and finishers because whilst they're known for that and it's fa- fantastic and they're great at it i'd like to see some some guys you know especially in that second row if we can get a guy like leone nakarawa um, you know, into our Super Rugby systems in the in the in the second row. Well, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, mate, I, I agree. I think their second rowers are fantastic. That's they're the point of difference because they they've got this ridiculous skill about them. Um, it, like Matt says, they're all athletes. They're huge athletes, but they can carry the ball like a tennis ball, offload and run the lines. And I'd prefer one of these guys than Jeff Parling. You know, quite frankly. Um, Look, I don't want to get it wrong. I think what we're doing to support Fiji rugby is fantastic. I think it's wonderful they're in the NRC. I think it's great that the Brumbies and the ARU and Hoyles and the Classics have been over there. Uh, I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but Australian rugby owes a huge debt to Fiji uh, and not because of all the players from there that have played for us. But back in the 50s and 60s, when Australian rugby was on its ass, was was almost bankrupt, and the Kiwis wouldn't play us, and the Springboks wouldn't play us, the Fijians toured and, and brought massive crowds in and, and sort of reinvigorated the game uh, in Australia. And we've never played them. Yeah, we haven't played a test in Fiji since, I think it was 1984, uh, pre-Grand Slam, Alan Jones' first test as, as Wallaby coach. And I think that's long overdue, and, and maybe this NRC might be evidence as it might be a chance for us to sort of start changing that momentum. So kudos all involved there and, and you know, a watching brief on, on the impact on Super Rugby, but the NRC is fantastic. Um, uh, very enjoyable. We might just, just while we've got talking NRC, so the, the, the Dura play on Friday night, just so everyone knows, it's a long weekend this weekend, so uh, four days of NRC, which is great. So the, the Vikings are hosting the Fiji Dura on Friday night at Viking Park. So any Canberra fans get down there and watch Fiji, they're a special team to watch. Um, then uh, Bond Uni are hosting Melbourne Rising on Saturday afternoon at 3pm. Um, and that's part of a massive weekend of rugby, including the Aon uh, Uni Sevens, the Women's Sevens program, the National Sevens program culminates the final round this weekend. Uh, University of Queensland have been undefeated and have been superb, but the Bond Uni in particular have been probably their closest um, closest uh, 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 competitors. And that matchup is superb because you get Emily Cherry playing for the University, playing Charlotte Caslick, playing for Bond, and those two going at each other is just uh, fantastic footy to watch. Uh, back to the NRC, Sunday afternoon, Perth Spirit are hosting Brisbane City over in Perth. Um, so that'll be a big encounter. You'll expect all those big names back for Perth, although noticeably uh, Billy Mix ain't there. And then Monday, the public holiday, um, New South Wales Country Eagles are playing the Sydney Rays out at, out at Goulburn on Simon Port of an Oval. So that'll be a great afternoon. If we know anyone out at Goulburn, let us know if you go to the game because that's uh, that'll be great. So some good NRC action and, and, and the Sevens action as well this weekend. Um Question five uh, is Super Rugby. So there's a bit been happening. Super Rugby players moving. Izzy Nasirani moving to the Brumbies, which is a big one, with a few guys going down to the Rebels. Um, but one of the big talking boots points has been Nick Styles. So uh, Nick Styles, Reds coach. We saw Tony McGahn officially get appointed to some sort of high-performance coaching position at the Reds. And now the rumours are starting that Styles might actually be cut. There's a... There's been a, a a review of the season undertaken um, with the thought process that Brad Thorne... Well, there's a few rumours. One, that Brad Thorne will be chucked straight in as head coach. He'll have McGann as an offsider. He'll have... There's rumours that Phil Mooney might be back as an offsider. Um, and the other one is that maybe McGann goes in as a head coach sort of thing. So, interesting call there, Gags. What do you feel? Is that is that unfair on style? Should we be chucking someone like Brad Thorne straight into it uh, so well? Early or oh, look, mate, look, uh, you know, l- last year was a, you know, it was pretty laughable from a um, a Reds perspective again, and then I um, and I think we all heard that you know something had, from early days, we, you know, some ominous sounds were coming out of the you know the training Reds training camp that it was basically um, you know Stylesy and the Ford pack, and then the, the 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 backs kind of got told to go do their own thing. Um, so, you know, whether that should be shaken up having had one year at it, um, I, it's just the, I don't get what thinking goes on with them, Reds. I, yeah, I really don't. Yeah. Are they, are, are they just chugging Bundy's all day? 
Like, yeah, it, it's know, madness. I mean, you know, they managed to make, like, they managed to compound bad decisions upon bad decisions. So Styles in the first place was like, you know, they, what the international search that didn't get out of the car park. Um, they've given the guy one year. And so, look, if what they'd done is they said, right, okay, we're putting him to one side, but I don't know, let's say like a Dave Vessels done a fantastic yeah. job and da-da-da-da-da and we've managed to bring him in and, you know, I don't know, maybe he's going to work with Styles or something and you'd go, oh, okay, so a bit of talent being nurtured here or something like that. But no, like where's, the, where's Brad Thorne's head coach come from? I mean, yeah. like, what, what's he done? Yeah. I, I'm, I just, I'm gobsmacked. I, I don't know how they managed to do it. It's like they've got a dartboard of bad decisions that they just kind of, you know, fling a, you know, fling a dart at, and they managed to come up with them. So there's a couple of things here, and you, you, you can jump in a sec. But let's look at the, the coaching appointment. Say so they cut Styles. There's another year payout they have to done. Hot in the heels of having to pay out John Conley for his wrongful dismissal. That's a couple of hundred grand they have to pay Conley. They've had to pay out Phil Mooney a few years ago. They had to pay out Richard Graham, who was on gardening leave for a year. The QAU is broke. They can't afford to cut another contract. It's ridiculous to think that they're even considering this. Um, and look, I'll declare some sort of conflict here. I know Styles, I've known him since school days. We, we had a fair bit to do with it together. I'll, I'll try and be impartial along those lines. He's had a tough year and there's some stats come out in Fox Sports I think earlier this week that he's the losing his coach ever. He's got the worst performance in Super Rugby of any coach going back to his four days um, and obviously his time with the Reds. Um, as you say with Dave Vessels and again this is a point I've made previously when Dave Vessels a young guy was appointed head coach of the, the force he was given experienced heads around him. Joe Barakat who's been coaching forever in Western Sydney um, and uh, Alan Gaffney who's, who's internationally uh, coaching experience. Some still young talent there with Sean Byrne, but he had maturity and experience around him. Who, who'd styles he get? Uh, he got Shane Arnold, uh, lovely bloke, uh, who has coached a couple of years of Premier Grade Rugby in uh, Queensland. And he got Jason Gilmore, who had a really good first 15 school team a couple of years ago that was heavily recruited. That's what he had. And then midway through the year, they gave him Brad Thorne after the under-20s competition. Brad Thorne, legend of the game, had not coached open grade rugby, you know, head coach-wise. So what sort of support system does Styles have there um, to be able to manage guys like George Smith, Scott Higginbotham, Quade Cooper, all these sorts of guys? I think that structure was really wrong. So I don't mind someone like McGarn. I've got questions about you know, what he did at the Rebels and so on, coming into supporting him. And if they had some great support, if they could get Phil Mooney back and even Brad Thorne supporting there, I, yeah, I can see that merit. But just to cut styles after that, I've got concerns about, like you say, Matt, those decision-making. One little thing in the back of my head that, that has me questioning that is um, the Queensland country team in the NRC that Brad Thorne is the head coach of look close to the best coach team in the competition at the moment. I'm putting aside Fiji Jura, but the combinations, the, the, the level of performance by a, a mostly young team and the performance he's getting out from some of those guys is excellent. So it's the NRC, it's a whole other level. Stalsy had two undefeated seasons in the NRC and that hasn't sort of transferred to Super Rugby. So lots to consider, but in the end, uh, you know, it, it, it stinks of another poor Queensland rugby decision. Do you any insight from your perspective, any uh, perspective opinion? No, look, I'd agree with you, Reg. I think you summed it up perfectly. Um, I'm, I'm no great Nick Styles fan on, on what's been displayed so far. I do think he's he's been dealt a, a difficult hand, as you laid out there. Um, and I, I don't think a, a decision to chop him um, and install Brad Thorne is logical at all. Um, you know, as Matt said, a guy like Dave Vessels, and I know, you know, hello to Dave, who's, who's still listening <laughs> at this point. Um, you know, a guy who's achieved success elsewhere and, and and someone who is is at least credentialed could come in maybe. But yeah, we've seen it, Reg, and we said it before, there's a pretty clear um pathway to super rugby success as a coach and that's as an Australian, it's it's either a long time as an assistant and, and then being brought into the role gradually or uh, in the case of Checker and McKenzie, um, you know, success overseas and actually having a having some success elsewhere and, and having some uh, time to to find your feet as a coach and find strategies that work and strategies that don't. I mean, the, the idea of thrusting Brad Thorne in as his first, you know, who's essentially still on his P plates as a coach, yeah. um, putting him, giving him the keys to the, to the car and 
and um, you know, even with wise heads around him, I just don't think that's a recipe for for any sort of success at Super Rugby level. And we've you know we've got some issues with coaching in this country, but um, you know, and Dave Vessels is a guy that we've got to keep here. And, and the idea, the the word is that he's being considered for a job, but I think it's Munster um, or Ulster. I can't remember which one it is, but um, you know, is and if he goes, and that's really troubling because he, you know. Apparently he's been practically offered the rebels job, but um, he's those sort of guys we can't afford to let slip through our fingers because um, coaching talent is something that we don't talk about enough here. But uh, it's 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 just as important, or in fact sometimes more so than uh, than what playing talent is. So yeah, look, I, I think it's all a bit of a mess, and and I think the continuity is probably the best option for the Reds in this case. Ah, but I mean, like you know. Why don't we once again take a coach who failed at one Australian Super Rugby province and then just shuffle him to another one? I mean, you know, Tony began at the Rebels, ping him up up to the Reds. You know, surely that'll work out. I mean, what do we do with Foley, you know, going from the Waratahs, you know, go out to the force? I mean, look what that did. I mean, I, you know, I think one of the worst things around the biggest, biggest problems in Australian rugby are the quality or lack of sort of executive decision-making. It's yep. it's astounding at all levels um, and how failure after failure happens and nothing changes. It really is. I mean, the, the only people who bear any brunt, probably the coaches. I mean, they get they get resold left, right and centre and, 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 and shuffled around and, you know, the odd – you know, millennial gets labelled and, and run out of the game, and it's all their fault. Um, you know, and 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 yet these boards trundle on, making the same. I mean, they're the ones who make you know, and through the executive, um, you know, and, and the chief executives, making these decisions that you just think, you know, what, you know, what competent executive looks at that and goes, yeah, that's a good, that's a good move. You know, look look at that whole Queensland thing for the last. Well, ever since Link left, yeah, and you and, and show me a, any move that was in any way positive. You, you, you can't make it up. You, you can't. You, I don't know how you make more calamitous decisions than they did. And about the only thing that runs through most of them is like, oh, but we we chose a Queenslander. I mean, <laughs> I, I you know, I just I I can't get my head around it. And it, it's in it's completely in line with then you know what we saw come out. This week, you know, what was the guy? Who was it? Because it wasn't, it wasn't actually um, Greg Harris. I know he commented on it, but sorry, this was talking yeah, about some consultant bloke. I can't remember his name. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he, he basically came in and said, "Mate, I wrote you a couple of reports, you know, a number of years apart, saying whatever you do, don't expand to a super fifteen and super eighteen because it'll send you broke." Um, and what did they do? Um, you know, so it's just I don't know. It's it, we, we we are where we are, not by some act of the gods, but by just very, very poor decision making and governance from um you know, from, from the top down really. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean I, I think that yep. I I don't know how there isn't massive forward sawling going um you know, sword falling going on right throughout the ARU. That that just needs to be a new board. And yet I keep looking at John Eels. What's the guy gotta do to get Rissold off that board? He's been there throughout, you know, some of the most shocking decisions from beginning to end. And it doesn't seem to matter every new chairman that comes through and, you know, there he is. And Horan, isn't he, is he still hanging around? Is he, I don't nah, know. He, he, nah, he's not on the board, mate. But uh, oh, well, I'm going to point at him anyway. It's his haircut. <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Look, it's just, uh, it, 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 it drives me insane. You just, surely you have to have a clean out. But you, but we won't. So you know, Pulver will go, and we'll find the next Patsy, um, and you know, we'll, we'll muddle through the next, the next thing. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. You, you would have even Cameron Klein. Yeah, let's not get into it again. Um, look, guys, I think that'll pretty much wrap us up. We've cracked the hour mark. I think any. Closing comments, Hugh. You're good. You're gonna get get up and watch the Wallabies, or do the replay thing, mate. Hugh, you're on mute, mate. Hugh, Hugh's already gone to sleep, mate. He's, he's piling up for a, a big game uh, on the weekend. What about you, mate? Do you get up or? It was. It must be. Must have been my rant. Um, look, I'm gonna be getting up, but that's because I got to get on a six a.m. flight uh, to to holiday, mate. The yacht. You got to get the yacht out. 
Yeah, exactly. You've got to get the, yeah. the Gaga yacht the is refueled up. I think it probably has deserves. Yeah, oh. that's good, oh, Matt, Matt. Hugh, we're cutting you off, mate. You're strobing <laughs> out, it, it, furious that you haven't scored an invite to the the Lord Gaga's yacht uh, holiday this weekend. Um, so thanks for joining us, Hugh. Uh, apologies for cutting you off early, Matt. Thanks again for coming on board. That's all right. Um, but, what, what about you? What are you, you going to be? What, what time? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's I think it's about two o'clock kickoff, and remember we oh. daylight saving this weekend, but oh. that'll start at half half time, so it's going to be a three hour game. Um, uh, I'm very tempted <laughs> to get up. It's a long weekend. We'll see how I go. Oh, one, oh, one, right. Once I see the team it's named. Um, all right. Uh, oh wait, Hugh Cavill has found a uh, deserving board member, Sakopi Bloody Kepu. On that <laughs> note, we shall finish. Nice work, Hugh. Uh, get out there, enjoy the rugby this weekend. Plenty of NRC on. If you're on the Gold Coast, go to the Aon 7 stand at Bond University. Um, and uh, to all our listeners, thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next week. Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Gregan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a beer. To beer.